disturbing from my slumber. I am Eternal Dragon. Now make your first wish. Your wish has been granted. Here is your host, Tim Bridgewater. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 105, 105 of Rock the Dragon, a Dragon Ball Super Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater. Uh, why does it feel like it's been way more than just five episodes since episode 100? <laughs> I mean, I already feel like I've, I've done 25 episodes since then, and that's not a bad thing. That's just That just means that's just how busy I've been. And it just feels like it's been a lot longer, but it's only been five episodes, only five episodes since we celebrated the 100th episode of the podcast, as well as the show. Only five episodes since I released a music video where I did a rock and roll hard rock cover version of Chose's Dynamic, which, of course, was the very first theme song to Dragon Ball Super. So by some chance, you have not heard that song yet. Or have not seen that music video you are missing out okay and I'm not just toot my own horn here like it's pretty dope it took me a forever to make that damn thing so get your butt over to facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast um, take a scroll down you can find the information there it's there of course if you go to rock the dragon podcast on YouTube you can see the music video and if you like the song you can buy the song for one dollar one measly buck Okay, you can find that on Spotify. You can stream it there. You can find it on Apple Music. It can be streamed there. It can also be purchased on iTunes and etc. So, uh, if you're having trouble finding it by some chance, if you look up American Avenue, it's going to be listed on the American Avenue because, uh, long story short, I I made the song with my friend Nick, who lives out in California. He records music out under the name American Avenue. Because I, I play drums, but I can't play guitar and bass and keys, but he can play all that stuff. And most importantly, he knows how to program it. He knows how to track all of those instruments. And I don't know how to do any of that shit. <laughs> so I needed help. So he helped me with the instrumentation. We came up with the arrangement together, all that kind of stuff. We collaborated on it. And then he sent me the song. I went in the studio. I recorded the vocals and tracked the vocals with the help of a friend of mine named John Scholl. Okay. So I'm not sure that the song will come up if you look up Rock the Dragon podcast. You have to look up American Avenue and you'll see it there. American Avenue chose this dynamic featuring Tim Bridgewater or with Tim Bridgewater or and Tim Bridgewater, whatever it says there. So once again, if you have not had a chance to check that out, you really should check that out. And of course, if you listen to the podcast and you want to help support the podcast, just go ahead and download that song. Just pay a measly buck. And uh, help two struggling artists and musicians, <laughs> such as me and Nick, out. Uh, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna share that money with him. You know, it's not all coming to me, even though this whole thing was my idea and I wrote it all. <laughs> but he helped me with it, so you can help both of us out. And hell, he's got it worse than me because he lives in L.A. and that 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 dude needs some money to live out there. <laughs> so, and I've been there. I lived in L.A. for six months. I know how rough it is. So, by all means. Uh, show us some love, download the song, pay a dollar for it. And then I know you guys are still waiting on that Patreon information. And I sound like a complete fool coming back every episode and saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, but it's coming. I think I mentioned to you guys last episode that I am getting ready to move uh, relatively soon. So that is taking up a lot of my time, just kind of getting all of that shit together, as well as my day job sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm coming with that and we will get that Patreon uh, 
well at the very least we'll get the patreon ideas put out there and you guys can give me your feedback on it and whatnot now with that being said I did want to touch on some news on this episode. I'm a little bit late and I realize that I'm still trying to get caught up, but I'm sure you guys have realized that we are coming upon the 30th anniversary of Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so there's been some news that has been released regarding that. There has been a collector's edition Blu-ray sort of box set that has been announced as a part of that celebration. Uh, I'm sure many of you have have talked about it already and thought about it. I even share the post about it on the Facebook page and we kind of had a little bit of conversation going on there. So by some chance you haven't seen this information, just go to the Facebook page, find the link. You can find the article there. You can also see the conversation that we had about it. Now, I'll kind of elaborate a little bit more on it on on the podcast since i haven't talked about it yet because this is a big deal i mean this is dragon ball z this is the entire reason i do this podcast right and so i definitely would love to be a part of the 30th anniversary celebration of it the question is do i want to pay 350 dollars to be a part of that celebration and let me tell you right now the answer is no Okay, now I'm going to tell you why. Don't 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 turn the podcast off yet. I'm going to explain what I what I mean by this. First of all, I'm going to go over a little bit about what this 30th anniversary collector's edition includes, and then we'll kind of talk about it. Okay. so right now I'm just looking at the Funimation website and I'm looking at the page they have set up to uh, take pre-orders for the collector's edition box set. And it says here. It's been 30 years of Dragon Ball Z, and we want to celebrate in the most perfect way with you. With your help, we're going to make a a collector's edition worthy of a series this big happen. Bring home a collector's edition of the most iconic series ever, packed full of everything you could wish for and more. And here's where they list the things that are included with the box set. Uh, Entire Dragon Ball Z series in the original 4x3 aspect ratio, remastered on Blu-ray for the first time ever. An exclusive full-color 11-inch 30th anniversary version Grandista Goku collectible figure from Banpresto. Full-sized hardback art book only available in this set, or available only in this set. Housed in a stunning collectible box featuring Shenron in a striking foil design. And it says Funimation reservations include an individually stamped and numbered certificate of authenticity. Once again, the retail price for this is $349.99, and it is a pre-order product. At the time that they announced this, they also announced that they were only going to actually be able to follow through with this entire idea if they could sell 3,000, I believe it was, pre-orders of this collector's edition. Uh, I do not have the information at this time of whether or not they met that goal, but the last time I saw it, they were pretty close to that. And I'm not surprised. It's Dragon Ball Z. I mean, you know, if 3000 people don't buy this thing, then that would be really strange to me. But obviously, this is something that they weren't sure if there was going to be enough interest in it. So they decided, hey, if we can sell 3000 pre-orders, we can go ahead and get it moving. Not to mention, this is a Funimation sort of a thing. I'm not sure exactly what Toei has to do with this. So, you know, Funimation does not have as much money as Toei does. <laughs> so maybe they just needed the the pre-orders in order to actually make it happen, to actually produce the product. You know, in addition to just wanting to fill that 
there's some people out here that would actually be interested in this. Now, I'm going to go through each one of these little things. I'm going to tell you exactly what I like and don't like about what's being offered here. The first thing they say is the entire Dragon Ball Z series and the original four by three aspect ratio remastered on Blu-ray for the first time ever. And of course, as a part of their sort of uh, announcement regarding this, they released a video that kind of does some side by side comparisons to show what exactly that means. For people that do not know, because I know that not everyone knows what four by three aspect ratio means, <laughs> I'm actually a video editor, that is my career, so I'm very familiar with that kind of shit. Basically, uh, at one point in time, uh, all TVs and all TV shows were basically broadcast in a format called four by three. That's basically a standard square, right? So now if you watch a video on YouTube that's old, that's older and it's a square and not a rectangle, then that's four by three standard definition. Um, now they've, I mean, just because of technology, they found a way, to, they found ways to remaster four by three footage to make it high definition, which is what they're promoting this as, because they're saying that this is a four by three Blu-ray. So that means that this would be in, in high definition, but it would be the standard four by three square. Now, you might be wondering, well, why would I want that? I mean, I like widescreen, right? <clears throat> we all have widescreen TVs. We're used to that now. Well, because the original 4x3 version of this would contain more, um, not more footage, but you would be see, you'd be able to see more of the actual, <laughs> the actual animation that was created versus the 16 by nine widescreen versions, okay? And, and the reason why that is, you may know that um, Funimation has been sort of notorious for releasing widescreen versions that have been marketed as widescreen versions of Dragon Ball Z that would fill the entire screen, right? Instead of having that square, you'd have a big rectangle that fills your entire screen, no black boxes on the side, but that's because they were zooming in on the image. They weren't actually creating additional footage. They were just taking that square and making it and zooming all the way in until it fills up the entire screen. And so as a result of that, you lose some of that parameter animation that's there. So when we watch the 16 by nine versions on DVD and Blu-ray, we're not actually seeing everything that's there. Uh, there's more stuff that's actually being cut off. Like maybe it what. What's being cut off, whether or not it's important or not, is kind of debatable. It might be a tree. It might be a part of the sky. It might be the very tip top of Goku's head. It may be the very bottom of Goku's shoulder or something like that, right? So we're not actually getting everything. So what they're saying here is that in this version of it, you'll get it all. You'll get the original, the way it originally aired. So you won't lose any of the, the actual animation that was created, but not only that, it will also be in high definition. So, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad, right? I mean, you know, I, that's kind of like the way the show was intended to be watched initially with the four by three, because they created all of that space to be seen and to kind of modernize it and bring it to current times. So that can be on Blu-ray. They have sort of remastered it for HD high definition. Uh, so you may ask, well, what is my problem with this? Well, I mean, my question is how many damn releases of Dragon Ball Z are we going to get? <laughs> I mean, I personally already have Dragon Ball Z on VHS. I have it on DVD and on Blu-ray. 
that's three times that is three times that i've paid <laughs> lots of money to own dragon ball z so i realistically cannot see myself buying this yet again just to get a little bit of extra space around the frame now i know a lot of people probably you know would disagree with that well i mean i think a lot of people would disagree and they would agree i think we could all agree that it'd be nice to get that original four by three format but i i'm not about to pay 350 dollars for it i'm not if there was a version of this where i could just get that without the figure without this extra shit and it was maybe a hundred bucks maybe i consider buying that but probably not and here's why i've already owned this series in, in, in several different formats okay and is are those the best versions of it probably not because well you know the orange bricks are very notorious now <laughs> but i own the orange bricks and to be honest with you when i got those orange bricks i was fucking excited i could care less that i couldn't that i was missing a little bit of the edge of the screen it didn't change anything for me all the content that i still loved about dragon ball z was still there i could still see the characters i could still it didn't change the storyline <laughs> you know what i mean it didn't change the the effect that watching the show had on me because i was missing a little bit of the sides of the frame and i'm not i'm not trying to downplay the importance of that i'm not at all but all i'm saying is, is that for me personally it hasn't made a big devastating sort of difference in how i feel about the show so there's no real incentive for me to go and buy this version of it. I'm happy with the versions that I have. I mean, I'm more than happy with that. And once they came out with the Blu-ray sets, which, you know, these this version will it will also be in Blu-ray, but it'll also be in four by three. So you'll get like once again, you'll get the the edges of the frame that was cut off. But I it's, I'm, it's not that important to me. <laughs> it's just not. I'm really happy with my Blu-rays. The second I got those Blu-rays, I was fucking thrilled. And the orange bricks, I mean, you, you can you can already choose the between Japanese versions and the English versions for both dialogue and music on both of those. So, I mean, I kind of have everything I could possibly want already. So, I'm not I'm not really not interested in, in in paying for yet another version of Dragon Ball Z. And 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 a couple years from now, then they'll release another version. I mean, just why didn't you do this from the start? You know, I mean, it just seems like sort of a cash grab and I'm frankly not thrilled about it, <laughs> nor am I interested. I tell you, you want to know what would get me excited about this again to where I'd be willing to spend money. And I know that this would be something that's probably so unlikely because it would take so much work and it would probably cost the company so much money to do it. This is not something that Funimation could do. They would have Toei would have to do this is that if they took the original four by three format of the show with the way it, it, it was originally aired and then they actually drew and created the additional information, the additional animation on the sides to make it 16 by nine. OK, so I'm not sure if that's clear. What I'm saying there is you take that four by three square and then you make it into a rectangle by creating the rest of the information, the rest of the animation, which means someone would have to go back in there and draw the sides and animate it. And then, you know, kind of 
go over it to make it match everything else. And that sounds like a lot of work and it probably is, but this is a multi-million dollar company. I mean, they're supposed to be, <laughs> their job is to create animation. So it's not like it's impossible. They could go back and they can do that if they wanted to. And that way you're not losing anything. You're not losing any footage that's there already because you're starting with the four by three. You're making it into 16 by nine widescreen by creating the additional animation. So you're only getting more. You're not losing anything. That would be an ultimate sort of version of this that I would love to own. A true 16 by nine widescreen high definition version of Dragon Ball Z where they create everything that's missing so that then it fills that 16 by nine box. Now, once again, I know that's highly unlikely and will probably take all kinds of money because they'd have to go back and do that for every single episode of Dragon Ball Z, which is what, 291 episodes? But once again, that's these people's job. It's their job to create animation. That's what they do. So there's no reason why they couldn't do that and then remaster the whole thing in Blu-ray and then I'd buy it because then I would have not only that full four by three the way it was intended, but then I'd have extra animation too. So at this point, that's probably the only way I'd be interested in, in buying yet another version of Dragon Ball Z. I mean, I just, I have it already and I'm more than satisfied with what I have. Okay. So let me know what you think about that. Cause I'm sure that some people will probably disagree. We've already kind of talked about it in the comments a little bit. I'm some of you guys are already excited to pre-order this thing and get it when it comes out and more power to you. But some of you guys actually mentioned that you don't even, you don't own Dragon Ball Z. So by all means, if this is your first time buying it, this isn't, this isn't a bad way to get it, but I've already bought it three times. So for me, it's a little bit different. Okay. And we'll just kind of run through these other ones really quickly. Uh, exclusive full color, 11 inch uh, collectible figure. Now I'm a sucker for collectible figures. I am. Okay. <laughs> if you, if you watched my Dragon Ball Fighters uh, unboxing video, I mentioned that one of the main reasons I bought the collector's edition of Dragon Ball Fighters was because it came with this awesome Goku statue. And that thing is fucking awesome. But I, I don't, I, this one does not excite me. I'm not sure if you saw the photos of it, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's a high quality, high detailed sculpt collector's edition figure, but it's all gray. And I just, I don't like that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why it's all gray. Now they could change this by the time it, it actually, it's actually released. It does say that the art is not final. You know, they could change a lot of stuff between now and then. But if I'm going to get a high detailed, you know, uh, 11 inch Goku, I want it to look like Goku. I want him to have the orange gi with the blue shirt and black hair. Why not? I mean, I don't want him to be all gray. <laughs> what is what's the significance of that? I mean, just make him look the way he's supposed to look. I mean, I, you know, so that doesn't that pretty much does nothing for me. This full size hardback art book. That could be cool, but I need to see what's in it. I need to see some examples of what would be in that art book. Is it just, you know, screenshots from the anime? Is it some additional art that's been created? Is it full color? Is it, you know, what is, are, are there details? Are there facts? Or is there trivia in the book? Or is it just photos? Because for me, that's not really a big sell either. I can sit here and Google all the photos of Dragon Ball Z I want. <laughs> and I could put them in my own little book if I want to. So that doesn't really do much for me either. And then, of course, there's a collectible box and shit, but it's like, I don't know. 
I have so much of that kind of stuff here. Eventually, I just don't even care about those boxes anymore. And then last but not least, there's an individually stamped and numbered certificate of authenticity, which I could not give any less of a shit about. <laughs> I don't need I don't need a certificate of authenticity. What does that do? What What is that going to accomplish for me? Am I going to feel better that it's a real thing? No. I've been we've all been buying bootleg Dragon Ball Z shit for years and no one's cared about it until <laughs> you know what I mean as long as it was as long as the product was exactly what it was promoted as we didn't care I mean I still have a couple of VHS tapes that were bootleg Japanese versions of some of the old Dragon Ball Z movies and they didn't even look that great but I didn't give a shit I just wanted it because that's what it was so I don't really care about a certificate of authenticity. That's not a selling point for me. So for all of those reasons, uh, I'm steering clear of this box set 30th anniversary thing. I mean, look, I I guess never say never, but I'm going to tell you right now is a 98 percent chance that I'm just going to skip this thing. But no, you know, hey, more power to you. if This is something that you want to go out and get. I'm all for supporting Dragon Ball Z. You know, I would never try to talk anyone else out of getting it because I love this show and I want I want these people who have put so much time and effort and energy into bringing this show to us to be successful. Why not? Because, I mean, they they're creating something that makes us happy. So by all means, go buy it. But I've already given these people enough of my money. <laughs> I've already given Funimation so much of my money that I'm good on this one. I'm good on it. Now, if there are any generous benefactors out there listening to this. And you want to donate one of these box sets to the podcast as a part of a giveaway or something, then by all means, do so, because I'd love to give it away. I mean, I think that'd be a really good item for a giveaway, but I can't spend three hundred fifty dollars of my own money for something like that. (laughs) So if anybody else out there that's doing a little bit better financially right now than me wants to do something like that and donate it, let me know. Send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of that email account, uh, we do have an email segment, of course, on the show. It's called What Are You Saying? So uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything that I just said or anything Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super related, send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. I do have, let's see, one email here or is it two? I have one email here that I'm going to read before the episode talk. And then I have two more I'm going to read after because they kind of pertain to this episode of the show. All right. First email here is from Jalen. Subject title says episode 104. Jalen writes, yo, what's up, Tim? I heard your episode 104 at work this morning. And after hearing your description of Dispo's voice, I decided to go listen to it for myself. Uh, I don't actually keep up with the English episodes because I saw them as they were being released in Japan. After hearing his voice, I think I can see why you described him as just some guy, because he definitely sounds like a black man from the Midwest. I've got to say that I'm very fond of it because I know it will lead to some very entertaining line reads later on in the tournament. Also, there is something I've wanted to mention that I keep forgetting about. Number one, I hate the fact that the English dub uses the name Top instead of Topo. Top is just so boring in comparison. Number two. Top slash Topo slash Top looks like a dick with a mustache. (laughs) 
He looks like he would have been drawn by Jonah Hill's character from Superbad. You know how you had an obsession with drawing dicks as a kid? I bet whoever created Top Topo took inspiration from that movie. <laughs> thanks for the read and thanks for the podcast. <clears throat> Jalen, <laughs> always great to hear from you, man. Uh, yeah, let's kind of talk about your email here a little bit. Let's see. Right. Once again, I said I, I was actually really fond of Dispo's voice. It just got I like the fact that, that with that voice actor, it doesn't sound like he's doing a voice. It sounds like he's just using his own voice, which is something that I, I feel like is not as common in Dragon Ball Z. It was incredibly common in Avatar, the last airbender in the Legend of Korra. That was something that the creators said from day one that they wanted for their voice actors is that they just hired people's whose natural voices sounded like the characters that they wanted them to portray. And that's not to say that they're not great voice actors because it still takes a hell of a lot of skill and talent because then you're just, you're just, you still have to be an actor. <laughs> so it's not a slight on anybody, but that was something that was very common over on those shows. And it just kind of makes those, those characters sound more believable and more real in that way. But you know, with Dragon Ball, it's okay because this, the Dragon Ball universe is such an exaggerated sort of universe where so much outlandish shit happens anyway. So it's totally fine for the voices to be a little bit out of the box. But Dispo's voice is kind of, you know, like I said, he just again, sounds like a regular guy. And uh, I, I definitely like that. Uh, you hate the fact that the English dub uses the name Top instead of Topo. Okay, I've definitely seen Topo. Is that how it's pronounced, I guess? I've, I've definitely seen that name around a lot. And I knew that that was what he's called in... Japan have no idea why they decided to change that. I mean, I don't. <laughs> it could have just as easily been called Topo. I don't. So I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't see why they did it. I mean, it, it, you know, it's also like the same thing with Zamasu, right? Like in Japan, it's Zamasu, is it not? I mean, it just seems like an unnecessary change. For some reason, they changed it to Zamasu. <laughs> in the English version, it's like Zamasu, Zamasu. Zamasu actually sounds a lot better, so I, I don't know. Of course, I call him Zamasu because I watched the English dub, and that's what they—that's what they—that's how they pronounce it on this show. But I'm with you there. I see your point. Uh, and you say Top also looks like a dick with a mustache. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't seen Super Bad in a very long time, but uh, I'll trust that uh, Jonah Hill's character had an obsession with drawing dicks. <laughs> and then I'll never be able to look at top the same now, by the way. <laughs> uh, Jalen, thanks for writing in, man. I, I appreciate that. And we'll get back to these other emails uh, after the episode talk. Okay, we're moving right along. Uh, it's time for the episode talk for this week. So, of course, this episode of Rock the Dragon podcast, episode 105, is going to cover episode 105 of Dragon Ball Super, uh, titled. I don't know why I always I feel like I'm never prepared for this <laughs> uh, titled a valiant fight master Roshi's blaze of glory <sighs> y'all you know they were doing so good with the titles for a while <clears throat> they really were they really were but between like last episode and this episode uh, now in, in their defense it doesn't entirely spoil what happens during the episode but it does kind of let you know that there's going to at least be some sort of 
near-death <laughs> experience here. Because the only time you ever hear about, the only time the words blaze of glory are ever mentioned in any sort of a fucking situation is when somebody's like doing something death-defying or they're dead, right? They went out in a blaze of glory. That is a very common phrase. Maybe not in Japan, but here it is. So I, when I read that, I was like, uh-oh, Roshi's going to die. <laughs> right? Why else would they phrase it that way? Blaze of glory. Now, of course, it doesn't exactly play out like that, but it, it still was kind of a spoiler. But anyway, okay, enough about that. <laughs> so... We, we obviously know that there's that, that Roshi's going something big is going to happen with Roshi this episode and we can kind of expect that there will be a Roshi uh, centered episode here and we pretty much get that uh, so the episode starts off with the Grand Zenos just trying to count how many fighters are left in the tournament at this point and they <laughs> and they're kind of having trouble <laughs> and uh, yeah I just I love it I, I just I just love this. And then they just say, oh, there's there's a lot, lots and, and, you know, there was a time where they were kind of annoying, but there was just several moments between this episode and the last episode where I realized, <clears throat> well, not just the last episode, the last few episodes where I really, really enjoy the Grand Zenos. I do. And uh, if you're following me on Instagram, which you should be doing, <laughs> okay. You know, Rock the Dragon podcast on Instagram. I posted a couple of Instagram stories while watching the episode, making a few comments about this. So that's the kind of content you can find on the Instagram account. So make sure you go follow it because you never know what kind of random shit I'll post over there and talk about over there. <clears throat> so you can get some more insight on my thoughts about it uh, over on Instagram as well. Okay, so then we see Roshi. Uh, well, we see we see Magetta for a minute, which Magetta's punching. I don't know. It's kind of unclear what's going on here. Magetta punches the ground and then he walks off. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so then Roshi. Roshi's just kind of spectating at this point. He's watching everybody. We see these other two fighters fighting. Uh, he's just kind of looking around and he realizes that it looks like they're about. Less than half of the amount of fighters remaining at this point. Then all of a sudden, these sort of energy boomerangs come out of nowhere and they kind of, you know, he dodges that. And then this girl um, with a very unique and kind of cool character design kind of comes out and tries to hit him with this massive energy mallet. And Roshi just kind of dodges it. And so he goes up to this little mountain and he's kind of spouting all his stuff. And he's saying, like, let me tell you right now, you don't have the power to stop me. And I'm kind of loving this right now because we're so used to seeing Roshi in such a freaking comedic sort of a way that seeing him be so serious in this episode was almost jarring. You know, it was just different. It's like, wow, Roshi can really get serious when when shit gets real. And I'm not sure the last time when was the last time we saw that. <laughs> so he's saying that you don't have the power to stop me she's saying that you haven't seen my signature move yet which ends up being sort of this seductive sort of thing and we know that Roshi ooh, we know that uh, he struggles with that you know the guy you know SSP Roshi we're going back to that remember that <laughs> remember that conversation we had some episodes ago uh, it's a thing with him so this is a test this is probably the first real test I think he's gotten so far 
and it looks like he fails it but i'm i don't know it's kind of it's really not clear because we see him react to it and we see him rush toward her but i almost feel like he was going to you know try to somehow (laughs) use this to his advantage but he didn't get a chance to because she tried to attack him right i could be wrong so she tries to attack him with this energy spear she spins it around he basically catches the tip of it with his fingers uh and she makes some comment about how could a decrepit old man be so (laughs) strong i mean Ooh, I wonder how many times during this episode somebody made a reference to how old Roshi is. Poor Roshi, man. Poor Roshi. Because <laughs> every time they say anything about him, it's like this old crone, this this freaking old coot, this this old geezer. <laughs> I'm like, yo, don't disrespect Roshi like that, man. So, you know, we get this pretty cool moment where he kind of starts to talk and he's saying about how he's pushed all these silly distractions aside and this flame sort of rises behind him and he's pretty much scaring this girl at this point and then of course he buffs up to super buff roshi mode and he says some pretty cool stuff he says that all the energy he once squandered is filling up his body to the point it can't be contained uh and it's exploding inside me like hot burning magma well that's weird i don't know that's a little weird uh dialogue there but um some of this stuff is actually pretty cool though so he kind of powers up and he just terrifies her and 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 there's reason to believe that it was just a bunch of bullshit but hey it worked she basically runs out of the ring and just eliminates herself <laughs> because she's so scared of him at this point uh so i guess whatever tactic you have to use to get him out of the ring by all means uh so then there's another woman who's watching him also kind of in the shadows and he says uh you know why don't you reveal yourself i know you're there and this is a she's a talisman artist of the fourth universe um so she starts to throw these little i'm not exactly sure what these are let's see these are like little illusion okay so they're they're illusions right uh mirages that's what she calls them they're mirages so she's kind of unleashing these little energy talismans but they're kind of warping what roshi sees they're creating these mirages that are kind of putting him in situations that aren't really there and there's this point where she even grows to like this massive size and she kind of slaps him off the side of the uh the thing i'm not sure what to call it um but yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to get too much detail into all of this, but basically she's saying that um, she has she's pinned down in shadow. So he's stuck on a certain spot. She talks about how how dark her world is and light barely reaches it. And she doesn't do so well in the bright areas, which I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> just there you go. Just tell them what your weakness is. Why not? <laughs> uh, but this is kind of a creepy looking character. And I kind of I kind of dig it. I dig it. Now, what Roshi says here, (laughs) he says, I'm the perfect guy to deal with your nonsense because the other characters, his his teammates are all pretty good when it comes to meeting strength with strength, but they have a problem with being too earnest in battle. And because of that, they get tripped up by opponents who fight dirty. And he's saying that 
you don't have to worry about that with me because I'll get down in the gutter with you, <laughs> right? So he pulls out this pocket-sized, uh, travel-sized uh, mafuba uh, jar. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You mean you have like little travel size evil containment wave jars? Like what the hell? Do they just sell those? Like, oh, you're going on a trip? Here's a pocket size version. So he's had this thing on him the entire time. So then he busts out the evil containment wave on her. And uh, it works. It works. I mean, he seals her in this thing and then he throws it out of the ring. Now... I, you know, I'm glad that the show itself touched upon this because I'm not exactly sure that this thing should have been allowed, right? I mean, that's an evil containment wave. Like that's a, I feel like that's a weapon. I mean, obviously, evil containment is a is a is a technique, but as far as putting her inside that jar, isn't that an outside sort of a thing? But ultimately, we we'll get to this in a minute. But they kind of settle it in in the, in the best way I guess they could. But my question is, is that what happens to her now? Is she just stuck in that jar? Like she's out, she's been eliminated from the tournament. Does she not even get to go join her teammates in the bleachers now? <laughs> she's just stuck in this damn jar. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> what happened? You know what I mean? Like that sucks. Like she just has to stay in that thing when everyone else just gets to sit and watch the rest of the tournament. <laughs> that's that's pretty messed up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Beerus is obviously pretty excited about this because one of his one of his his people just uh, eliminated someone else. Now, what's the, what's the little biker mouse from Mars destroyer guy's name? Catella, Cantella, something like that. Um, of course, he has a problem with this, and they're 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 sort of arguing over whether or not this should be allowed. He's saying, "Hey, that thing was like an, a weapon. That's like an outside sort of a thing. I mean, if you're going to allow this, why not allow poison needles and shit too?" And Beerus is saying, "Your fighter used talismans," and he's saying that these were energy talismans. And I love, love, love this shot. They're just—it's a wide shot. They're running toward each other, but they're doing the little word bubble sort of close-ups. <laughs> at the same time of their faces and I just love when they do this kind of shit because it's very funny it's very funny and they're wrestling over it and my one of my most favorite Grand Zeno moments of the entire series happens here where they say it's allowed and they say it, it is fun so I say it is allowed and then the other one says very allowed and I just love that <laughs> I just love that I fucking love that because that I don't know. It's just it's serious for one thing. They're like, hey, this is Grand Zeno. They can do whatever they want. So it's fun. It was fun. So they say it's allowed. Hey, nothing else to say. But then it's just funny because the other one said it's very allowed. So I just I liked it. And it shut both the destroyer gods up. Now, at this point, <laughs> Master Roshi is already showing signs of weakness because, of course, Krillin is watching this and he's saying that after using the evil containment wave on someone as strong as her, he's got to be pretty, pretty weak at this point. So he gets sort of uh, bum rushed in a way by someone else. And we get another fighter from Universe 4, I think it is. This is the little guy that was the spy, right? That they sent to spy on Frieza, I think, or, or something at some point, this little dude, because we've seen him a couple times. Uh, so he's getting pissed off because Roshi's just gotten rid of basically two of his teammates. <clears throat> so he powers up in a very cool sort of transformation. 
uh, where he transforms into this big duck-like uh, thing. <laughs> he has a beak. And yeah, I don't know. He looks kind of weird, but it looks kind of cool at the same time. So he powers up. And you know, he look, He reminds me of someone or some character, and I can't quite figure out uh, <laughs> who. Um, ah, gosh, it's going to bother me. It's going to bother me. There's something about that beak. I think that just seems very familiar. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. I like his belt. So, uh, Roshi, he and Roshi are going toe to toe, and this guy's kind of like surprised because he, you know, he knows that he's stronger than Roshi, but he can't seem to figure out why he can't really hit him. And Roshi's like, uh, you know, saying that you're kind of repetitive. You're kind of doing the same stuff over and over again. And he says, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the code to Contra. Right. <laughs> remember, remember Contra on the original Nintendo system? There was a code for you to get 30 lives. I know I'm old, y'all, <laughs> but yeah, you get 30 lives if you typed in up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. And you had to put in B.A. start. And but if you had if you're doing two players, you would do B.A. select start. The game would start. You'd have 30 lives. And that's kind of the only way to beat that damn game. Has anyone actually beat Contra without using that code? Because you only get like three lives. And there's no way you can beat that entire game with only three lives. Because in that game, you get hit one time, you die. <laughs> you get hit once. This is back when they didn't have life bars and you lost life. You just got hit and you lost your life. That was it. So we had to put the code in to, to beat that damn game. Pretty sure that was the code. Anyway, <laughs> just a little Easter egg there. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, so, yeah, Roshi's just mentioning, hey, man, like you're definitely stronger than me. You're faster than me, but I've got something that you don't have. That's experience. So he's kind of putting a whooping on this dude. And I love that. I love that they drew attention to the fact that it was not about energy or strength or speed with this fight in the beginning it's about uh experience because no one's going to believe that roshi's strong enough to beat all of these characters you know because he's not he's not he's one of the weaker fighters he should technically be the weakest one there on the entire universe 17 but he has the most experience, and it just goes to show what you can do with that. He knew to watch his moves. He know when to move. He knows when to strike and stuff because he has experience. But he pisses this dude off. So he gets pissed off. He kind of powers up a little bit. And we find out from his destroyer guy that apparently this guy, uh, when he's surrounded by the best fighters in the cosmos, he gets stronger every minute he's in the ring. So I guess that's just some weird ability that he has. Where he just continuously gets more powerful? I don't... I mean... Okay, Dragon Ball. Just whatever you want to make up. Um, so that kind of explains, I guess, to us... It, 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 I think it helps explain what happens later. And why Roshi takes the measures... The drastic measures that he decides to take... Is, is, is because he, he's aware of that this guy continues to get stronger. Now, we do cut over to Goku for a second... So we know that Goku is aware that Broshi's kind of, you know, on the losing end at this point. But he's kind of wrapped up in these tentacles, so he can't really escape right now. But can't he 
right? I, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's very, I mean, Goku, you're in Super Saiyan level one mode, man. Power up to blue and get out of those tentacles. He does that later, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's just, it's a tough, we'll, we'll talk more about it in a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but Goku's like, Roshi, you know, I'll, I'll be there in a second. Uh, meanwhile, Roshi's just kind of getting, getting whooped at this point. Now, like I said, it's very important that we kind of understand that Ganos is his name, I think, that he's continuously getting stronger because Roshi makes a comment. He says, I've got to do something about this punk. He just keeps getting stronger till he's power enough to threaten even Goku. So I have to nip this in the bud right now. So this is twice that has been mentioned now that this guy is just continuously getting stronger. So, you know, he's having to sort of kind of use last resorts here. Uh, probably not as much for himself, but for the threat that he could become as powerful as Goku and they take out Goku, then the, the everything's probably lost at that point. So he does this technique, this sort of hypnotic hypnosis technique where he tries to put him to sleep, which is a, a technique I didn't even know Roshi had. I mean, I'm sure it has shown up at some point in the Dragon Ball history, but you know, I just, I didn't know he could do this. So apparently that's a move that he has, but uh, it starts to work for a second, but this guy kind of wakes himself up out of it, out of it, and he shocks himself in order to sort of undo the effects of it. So he kind of knocks Roshi down again, and he says that uh, just accept your limitations, and and he's and Roshi gets up and says the hell with my limitations, and this is the point where both Goku and Krilla know that something is about to happen. They can just tell, I guess you know. Because they, I don't know, they're just able to do that. <laughs> and then, of course, Roshi starts making these, like, sort of speeches to Goku and Krillin. You know, just saying, just remember this. And you guys have taught me this. And he starts basically talking like someone who's about to sacrifice himself. Um, so, we, at this point, we know that that's what he's about to do. And he starts to kind of charge up this Kamehameha. And the idea here, obviously, and this is something that the Dragon Ball franchise is has definitely established is that you can't put if you put all of your energy into your attacks then you can die from it so that's totally normal and I, I'm kind of glad that like uh, they actually revisited that here because you can do some very explosive attacks but you got to remember that your energy waves these attacks this is your life force you're essentially using your life force you know key is basically sort of one of the things that sustains these characters you know, and their, their, their energy and their, once again, life force. So when you manipulate it, you have to know how to regulate it. You have to know how to use it properly so that it doesn't destroy you, destroy your body, destroy the planet, etc. So it stands to reason that if you put all of that into one attack, you can die from it. So the idea here is that he's about to make a Kamehameha so big and powerful that it's pro he's probably not going to be able to withstand the effects of it plus he's already weak from the fighting and the mafuba that he did earlier so you know he's kind of he's putting he's putting everything he has into it and they do the dramatic thing where they show goku and krillin at the same time and yeah it does it is it does get a little bit emotional it does i'm not gonna lie this shit made me kind of you know start to get a little bit emotional when i went you know because the music kicked in and i was like oh here we go but I love those moments because that there was a lot of that in Dragon Ball Z. 
There's <laughs> a lot of moments where people sacrifice themselves, you know, and talk like it, they were about to die and they put everything they had into a blast. And that's the kind of emotional uh, moments that I miss. Um, and it was a good moment. And he powered up and he unleashed that thing and he knocked this guy out of the ring. Now, I guess the question is, was that was that the smartest thing to do? Well, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. It just kind of comes back to did he did. Do you guys think he had another option here? I mean, because I'm not sure that this was necessarily the, the last thing that he could have done. Now, once again, they kind of set it up because they kept saying that, well, this dude is continuously getting stronger. And if he gets as strong as Goku, then everything's lost. So we need to do whatever we can to take him out. But you're also taking yourself out in this scenario. If you're Roshi, because Roshi's intention here was to basically sacrifice himself to take this guy out. But at the same time, Universe 7 will be losing a teammate. So are you really helping in that situation? Right. Is it worth it to give yourself up? To take one of their people out? I don't know. You know, in, in the normal situations where they're on planet Earth and they're fighting a villain and the only way to stop the villain is to try to blow yourself up like Vegeta did to save however many lives, that was a lot more understandable. But in this situation, this is a battle royale where team numbers mean everything. You know, you don't want to lose any team members if you can help it because that's just decreasing your chance of winning the tournament. And if you lose the tournament, you get destroyed anyway. So to me, sacrificing your life isn't necessarily worth it in this situation. You know, they had to have been some other alternatives, like maybe he could have tried to run or something like that or just wait for Goku because Goku was on his way. Now, of course, the second Roshi falls out, Goku powers up the Super Saiyan Blue and like he could have done that five minutes ago, <laughs> you know, why wait until the very end? But it, it just that's a nitpick, though, because sometimes with writing, you have to do the best you can. And no one is ever going to be in any real danger if Goku's always there to save him. Right. So it's just kind of one of those things that you have to kind of let it slide for the sake of dramatic effect. And we just we're just going to tell ourselves Goku just didn't want to power up to blue earlier because, well, he didn't want to expend the energy if he didn't have to expend it. So in this moment, but he doesn't ends up doing it anyway uh, when Roshi falls out and then Krillin tries to rush into the ring. And this is where, you know, it gets pretty, it gets pretty sad. <laughs> you know, I was starting to feel it around this point because Goku's kind of struggling to get over there. He powers up to blue immediately gets out of this guy's grip rushes over to Roshi starts uh, basically giving him CPR using like small controlled uh, <clears throat> energy bursts trying to restart his heart basically Krillin's out on the outside I'm starting to freak out a little bit on the inside watching this uh, <laughs> you know it's kind of a it's a it's a sad moment but then you know well um Roshi wakes up. Okay. He wakes up. And while there's definitely a sigh of relief because it's like, oh, you know, because this is this it's this kind of suspense that makes the show good, right? Um, but I do have to say this. <laughs> 
and 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 this is basically where the episode ends. Okay, they they walk off, and Roshi's you know he says he went to heaven for a minute, and there was all sorts of sexy angels and stuff, and that's that's it. And Goku gives him a hug, and Krillin's tearing up, and it's very emotional. It's very emotional. Now, I'm curious to see what everyone else thinks about this, and we have an email that's going to talk about it a little bit, um, also. Um, but I would have been okay with Roshi dying here. Okay. And I know what you're thinking. Well, why, man? Roshi is a great character. Oh, I definitely agree. I love Roshi. I've always loved Roshi. Um, but, you know, sometimes for the sake of a story, you have to sacrifice people. I mean, Dragon Ball Z did it all, all the time. <laughs> Every major saga, somebody died, you know, and it was and it worked better because it gave us something to care about as, you know, the people who are watching the show it made us feel something it made us we got an emotional reaction because one of the characters that we liked died and you know so i think it would have been a good idea to just kill him in this moment why not you know i mean it it, it certainly would have once again it, those moments in dragon ball z were always always served pretty well in my opinion i mean hell just off the top of my head who all died in dragon ball z Goku, <laughs> Piccolo, Chaozu, Yamcha, um, who else? Trunks almost died, pretty much. You know, I mean, Cell shot him through the heart, or maybe he did die. I'm trying to, so it's a little bit hard to remember. But basically, all of those moments, Krillin, of course, all those moments, you know, they were there for an emotional purpose, and it just made us more invested. It made us sad, but it made us. It woke us up. It was like, oh, shit, this is real. These characters can die. Now, they all come back to life. <laughs> but for the sake of the emotional sort of, you know, impact, I just think it would have been a good idea for the, just for Roshi to just die here. Why not? No one has sacrificed themselves at all in Dragon Ball Super yet, right? That, that I can think that I can remember right now. I'm, you know, I, obviously, we've done over 100 episodes. I can't remember everything. But I don't remember any. No one's died yet in Super. Don't quote me on that. But I'm thinking. <laughs> and by this point in Dragon Ball Z, we had already lost Goku, a couple people. You know, so <clears throat> I, you know, killing death is something that's always been a very important part of Dragon Ball. Certainly Dragon Ball Z, and we haven't gotten much of that, at least for the good guys, in Dragon Ball Super. So this would have been a good opportunity to just go ahead and kill somebody off and use that to propel the story forward. Use it as a catalyst to, you know, motivate Universe 7 even more so to get their shit together and keep fighting. But he comes back. He comes back. And, I, and I'm fine with that. But I also would have been OK if they just would have killed him here. Why not? I mean, for the sake of the story, not because I don't like Roshi, but for the sake of the story and what that event could have done to change the way these characters react now the only person it would have really affected that's still in the tournament is goku but that would have been okay too you know we could have seen how it affected him and maybe he would have been more serious throughout the remainder of the tournament so i would have been okay with it so anyway that's what episode ends pretty much uh what'd you guys think about that what are you saying see me see me <laughs> see me an email at rock the dragon podcast at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts about that with that being said we're gonna switch back over to that segment right now we're gonna read these final two emails uh 
The first one is from Andrew. This is Andrew number two. Uh, Andrew writes, what's up, Tim? How's it going? This last episode is one of my favorites. Hope you feel somewhat of the same way. I just don't think the English version did the Roshi potential death scene justice for me. Goku just didn't feel as distressed in English as he did in Japanese. I suggest you check out the Japanese version. At least for me, got me emotional. Keep rocking the dragon, your pal. Okay, Andrew, that's good to know. I um, I have not checked out the Japanese uh, version of that scene, but I will. Uh, and that could be one of those things that's lost in translation or maybe just better voice acting in the Japanese one versus the English one. Uh, but I'll tell you this, it did make me emotional. But um, <clears throat> I definitely want to check out the Japanese one, so I will. The next email here is from author. Author writes, uh, subject line says, the infamous charm ability. What's up, Tim? I meant to write in about this earlier, but the attack Rebrianne uses is a form of a charm attack, which is used in some RPG video games. It's usually used by a female character against a male character, rendering them defenseless and unable to move because they've briefly fallen in love with that character. Haven't seen it in many RPGs lately, except for ironically Dragon Quest. As for episode 105, I was hoping that Master Roshi would have actually died, forcing Goku to take the tournament seriously. It's starting to get old seeing him playing around and helping out fighters on Champa's universe. All of his Z Fighter teammates, except for maybe Frieza, are giving their all but him. Arthur, thanks so much for writing in, man, as always. Uh, yeah, I kind of mentioned back when, when Rebrianne was kind of doing her thing and they were releasing these love techniques with all the hearts. You know, I was looking at us and I was wondering, is that is it putting some kind of spell on these people? Is it kind of hypnotizing these people? And you're just kind of confirming and saying that it was sort of a technique that was used in a lot of RPGs that you've played. Uh, ironically, Dragon Quest. Why is it? Why is that ironic? Oh, is it, is it because uh, Akira Toriyama did the art for Dragon Quest? Is that right? Yeah. All those little characters in there look just like Dragon Ball Z characters <laughs> because it was basically designed by uh by Akira Toriyama, I think. I hope I'm not misremembering that. Uh, but yeah, that certainly seems like something that would appear in an RPG. I could just see myself just going through the little icon, the little list, and choosing that attack, and using that attack, <laughs> and then waiting for the bad guy to counterattack. Uh, and obviously, I just talked about yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think it would have been a good idea, a good opportunity for them to use a death of a, of a main character a beloved character to sort of get a reaction from the fans as well as from the characters in the tournament of power uh you know and, and it could have right like you said it could have definitely forced goku to take the tournament more seriously just having that be something to sort of propel them into the next phase of this thing but that didn't happen so <laughs> oh well i guess my question is what would have happened how does that how does that work in terms of the tournament right because death if, if you kill someone else in the tournament of power you get eliminated so what happens if you kill yourself <laughs> right i mean obviously you you're going to be eliminated too because you're dead but how does that work in terms of the tournament like it, it seems like there should be an additional disqualification right because if you kill someone, you get disqualified, plus they lose a teammate because that person's dead. But if you kill yourself, 
it seems like there should still be a disqualification, but maybe on your against your team, because they it just it seems like they wouldn't be an incentive to kill yourself in a situation like this. And I kind of talked about that earlier. So I don't know. I just would have been curious to see how that would have panned out, I guess. I mean, the, more than likely it would have just been that, well, Universe 7 loses a person as well as the person that Roshi knocked out of the ring. But then Roshi's dead. He's not just out of the tournament of power. <laughs> He's dead. So, I mean, then what? He just goes to other world, you know, and, and I, I don't know. It's just it seems kind of weird anyway. Uh, but yeah, definitely agree there with you. Okay, so I do have another email here, but of course that one will wait until the next episode because it pertains to the next episode of the show. This is what happens when I get behind. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, just a quick reminder here, guys, head over to the Facebook page, give it a like, head over to the YouTube channel, give it a subscription, please. I've got like four or five more likes to 200 on the Facebook page. I don't have a ton of, I forget how exactly, but I'm pretty close to 100 subscribers on YouTube, and I need to hit that 100. I need to hit that. So if you haven't had a chance yet, go subscribe there. Like the page. It's do or die time. It's crunch time. We're coming to the end of Dragon Ball Super. Now is the time to really push through and see if we can last beyond the end of Super. Somehow, some way. I don't know. Anyway, stay tuned with the Patreon information coming very soon on the Facebook page as well as the next episode of the podcast. I will try to get caught up and back and back on track here. I just got a lot of stuff to to do. I basically have to be out of my current apartment by the end of the month, and I haven't even started packing anything yet. So if that gives you any sort of indication (laughs) as to how busy I've been. Um, Yeah, but I'm going to try to wait and save my computer and all that stuff for last. That way, I'm my daily sort of things aren't disrupted too much because I do rely on my computer for work as well as the podcast. So hopefully this thing will be back on track pretty soon. Uh, But for now, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, guys. So until next time for Rock the Dragon Podcast, I'm Tim Bridgewater. I'll see you next time and keep on rocking the dragon.